So we're going to dive into the message today, and uh, I want to do a quick review from last week um, so that uh, we can remember uh, a little bit of what we talked about with the vision. We talked about, we've been talking about owning our faith and what it looks like to really fully invest in the life and work of Jesus. If it's really true that God is a holy God and we are a sinful people, and, and yet God wants to be with us and make a way for us to be with him, and that is through Jesus. If all that is true, if Jesus really did die for my sins and rise from the dead and has invited me to follow him, if all of that is really true, then am I willing to be fully invested in the life and work of Jesus? Am I willing to own my faith? And what does that look like? So we talked about if we own this as a church, if we own our faith as a church, that part of what this looks like is thinking about the future and having a vision for what God can do through a group of people that are owning their faith over the year 2019. So we identified three areas of priority for us as a church family. Number one is we believe that uh, everyone should be a contributor, not a consumer. If you're a member of the church, if you're a guest, we're not going to ask you to give money or sweep the floors. But if you're a part of the family, everybody in the family has chores. We all contribute. We all pitch in. So if you're a member of the family, we expect you to be a contributor, not a consumer. That you're actively engaged in the life and work of the church. And so our goal is to help people know how, how can I participate? How can I contribute? And not everybody, that's not really obvious all the time. And so our intent is to train everyone who wants to serve in this church how to serve and how to use what God has given them in the best possible way. We believe that we can train 250 people to be actively engaged in the life and work of Jesus and this church family. 250 people this year is our goal for training for ministry. Another priority for us is families, marriages, and, and parenting. We believe that God uh, wants you to have a, a thriving marriage and to a, and a be healthy as parents. And we know that that's a struggle for a lot of people. It's difficult. Marriage and, and parenting doesn't come with handbooks, and we all need some help. So we want to resource 100 families this year for healthy parenting and thriving marriages. We believe that through the church and through the Word of God, we can help people build uh, stronger marriages and, and stronger families. And so we're going to resource 100 families for that this year. We also believe our third, uh, our third area of priority is that we, we believe that we are here to actually point people to Jesus, to show people who don't know Jesus everything that he's done for them and to give them uh, every reason to choose to follow him. And so we believe through the ministry of this church we can reach 100 people this year, people who, don't, who haven't made a commitment to follow Jesus. We believe that through the ministry of this church 100 people can come to know Christ uh, this year. Wouldn't you like to see that happen? Yeah, I would too. I, when, when that happens, we're going to have a big party. It's going to be very exciting because each of those hundred represents one person who doesn't know that they're free from sin, doesn't know that there's hope for heaven, and, and is struggling to find peace and joy and purpose in ways outside of Christ. And it's a struggle. It's a battle. And so if we can help them see that Jesus is the way, then uh, we, we get to celebrate with them new life in Christ. So how, how do we get there? How, how do we accomplish these things? Because it's not something that I can do. I'll just go ahead and tell you, I'm not, I'm not that good. I'm not that good of a preacher. I'm not that good of a leader. I'm not that good of a person to accomplish all of that by myself. Never going to happen. If you're looking to me to do it, never going to happen. If you're looking just to our staff to do it, never going to happen. We have a great staff. They're all better than me at what they do. Never going to happen if you think we're going to do it by ourselves. It's, it's only going to happen when everyone here is engaged, actively invested in the life and work of the church. But for a lot of us, we don't know, we don't know where to start. We don't know how to, how to contribute. Sometimes we think we don't have what it takes to really make a difference. So that's what today's message is about. If you would uh, turn to John chapter 6, 
we're going to read uh, this account of something that Jesus did that's actually it's the only miracle that's in, recorded in all four Gospels besides the resurrection of Jesus. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all tell us about the resurrection and they all tell us this one other miracle in pretty much the same way. And you'll recognize it uh, probably as we get going. John chapter 6, verse 1. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated so also the fish as much as they wanted. When they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this indeed is the prophet who was to come into the world. Perceiving that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, Jesus withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Great story. Many of you have heard this before. Jesus feeding the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish. There's a lot to talk about here. The Jesus' relationship with his disciples, the miracle itself. But what I want to talk about mostly today is the boy. This little boy, we don't even know his name. We don't know anything that happens to him after this. We don't know where he came from before this. But he shows up and he gets to play a part in this story. And I imagine him bringing his lunch. You know, he the only one, apparently, who thought that, hey, I might get hungry today and maybe I'm going to need something to eat. Or it probably wasn't him, honestly. You know it was probably his mom. He had one of those moms that's like your mom or maybe you're one of these moms that if mother's cold, you're, you're putting on a sweater. That's, that's the kind of mom he had, right? If, if, you're, if you're going out with friends, make sure you, you take some extra money because you don't want them to pay for you. Make sure you offer to pay. And, and if you're going somewhere overnight, just clean underwear. Take more than, than you think you need because just in case, you know, like this, this is the kind of mother he had. And he, she said, hey, well, you're, going to, you're going to see Jesus? Okay, but you're going to get hungry. Take a lunch, you know, make sure uh, you have something to eat. So he's got this lunch and, and, and he shows up to see Jesus because Jesus is performing miracles. He's healing people of diseases. And so everyone wants to see Jesus and, and get some time with him. And so he's there all day. And then he sees at one point the, the guys kind of huddle around this problem. You've seen guys huddle around a problem before, haven't you? The hood of a car is open. There's four guys around it. And they're just trying to fix it with their brains. They're just staring at it and they're going to they're gonna solve it. You've seen the guys huddle around the barbecue grill, right? Going, oh, I wouldn't have done it that way. That's, you know, have you ever tried this seasoning? And, and you really probably should have soaked that overnight. Like, these are, this is what it looks like. These men have gathered around and they're like, okay, we have a problem. This is, this is why we're created, is to solve problems. How are we going to feed all these people? And I, I imagine he maybe, he, he tugs on Andrew's sleeve and he's like, hey, hey I, got some, I got some bread and fish. And Andrew's like, this, listen, they, let, let, the men have got this under control. Just let us handle this. He's like, hey, I, what, can, you, can you use what I have? Fine, I'll tell, I'll tell Jesus that you have some bread and fish. So Jesus, he has bread and fish. It's not enough. Let's move on. 
And Jesus says, hang on a second. He's got bread and fish. I, I can use that. Let's br bring that over. Let's see what we can do. And he gives thanks, and suddenly it's enough to feed thousands. And I wonder, if, if I had been in that situation, if I was the boy, or if you were there, and you, you were the person who had your, your five loaves and two fish, how many obstacles would we have seen? How many obstacles did he ignore in order to do this? He, he could easily have, have said, this is actually my lunch, right? My mom gave this to me so I wouldn't go hungry. If I give it to Jesus, I may not get lunch. I have no guarantee that this is coming back to me so I'm just going to hang on to it. At least then I know I get fed, right? That, that would have been an obstacle for me. It's hard for me to let go of food once I have it in my hand. I just want to keep it. You never know, right? Maybe he looked at what he had and he thought, this is, there's no way this can help. There's, it's not enough. It, it's silly, really, for me to take this to Jesus because, I mean, what can he do? This is just not, it's not valuable, and, and nobody really needs it. Probably everybody's got a little, you know, package of crackers in their pocket. They're going to be fine. Nobody really needs what I have. I mean, I think you and I would have seen a lot of those obstacles, but he just ignored them like they weren't even there. And he brought his, his lunch to Jesus, and he was able to participate in an incredible miracle. And, and I love how Jesus takes responsibility for the thousands. He didn't call this meeting. He didn't say, hey, we're going to meet here and I'm going to provide lunch for everybody. He didn't do that. He, he didn't sell tickets to this show. These people came to him. They just showed up. And when they show up and they're hungry, Jesus says, we're going to take care of it. He looks at the disciples and he says, their problem is now our problem and we're going to fix it. And, and I wonder if, if Jesus is looking at the world that you and I live in and he sees hunger. Do you think there's hunger in our world? Do you think that there are people in our world who are, are starving for love? and acceptance? Do you think that there are people in our world that are starving for a sense of safety and security? Are, are there people in your life that you know that are hungry for a sense of identity, for someone just to know who they really are and love them as they are? And then we've got people who are hungry for actual food and who need clothes and shelter and a place to live and a job and someone to talk to about their marriage problems and I wonder if Jesus looks at the starving people around you and me and he says, hey, let's, why don't we do something about this? And he's looking at us like he looked at Philip and saying, all right, how are we going to feed these people? And maybe our response is like Philip's. Jesus, we don't have enough resources to solve all of these problems. The hunger for love and attention and companionship and identity and safety. Jesus, this, this is too big. This is too big for us. And he says, yeah, but, yeah, but what do you have? What do you have? Do you have five loaves and two fish? Because maybe, maybe we could work with that. And I think if, if we would take this step of faith that this little boy took and offer what we have to Jesus, we would find that, that maybe what we have is more than what we thought we had. If, if we would kind of get over our own logic and rationality. You know, that's what Philip and Andrew are doing. They're doing the math. Philip's doing the math on the, on the buying bread, like 200 days wages, Jesus. It wouldn't be enough to buy enough bread for everyone to have a bite. He's, he, I did the math. It doesn't check out. You, you can look at my abacus if you want, but this is not going to work, right? 
And, and Andrew is looking at the five loaves and two fish going, this is it's not even going to make a dip, you know? It's just a snack for one kid. And logically, they're right. And when you look at the problems in the world around you and you go, it's too big, I can't do anything about it, logically, you're right. If you're just doing math, if you're just checking the figures, you're absolutely right. Logically, you can't make a difference. But Philip and Andrew forgot that they were in the presence of the creator of the universe, the maker of the stars, the Lord of heaven and earth. They forgot that he was standing right next to them. And he wasn't saying, you go and fix this by yourself. He was saying, let us, what can we do? Because I'm going to help you. And I think if we would bring our five and two to Jesus, we would find that it's more than we thought. And we would find that it's not just for us. I think we're afraid to let go a little bit of what we have. We guard our calendars with our lives and knives. You know, don't, don't make me put something else on my calendar, okay? I, do you want some, I'd rather write you a check. Would you, rather, would you want some money? You can have money. Don't take my days away from me. Those are mine. I earned them. I worked hard to get this time off. We think it's for us. And Jesus wants to say, it's not, it's not just for you. Because there are people around you who need what you have. Just like the, the, the hungry people in the crowd needed what the little boy had. There are people around you that if you could just give them an hour, you, you could make a huge difference in their lives. There are people around you that need what you have. What you have is not just for you. It's more than you think it is. And it's something that Jesus can use. In fact, Jesus is already planning to use what you have. Did you know that? He has plans for you. He has plans for your time. He has plans for your money. And he has plans for your talent. And you're like, wait a minute. That, he, he has no business having plans. Well, where do you think it came from? Jesus gives you the breath of life that you have. He gives you every dollar in your bank account and you think you went and earned it, but it's a gift from God. And every talent that you have, every ability is a gift. And he has plans for it. Just like he told Philip in verse 6, or he didn't tell him, Philip didn't know this, but it says that, he said this to Philip to test him because he already knew what he was going to do. Jesus already had a plan. He already had it figured out. And he's already got a plan for your stuff too. You don't need to figure it all out. You don't need to know exactly how it's going to work. I think it's hard for us, but this is what faith looks like. To offer our five and two without any assurances, without any guarantees, without some kind of business plan. But this is exactly what the boy does. And I like to think that they sent the leftovers home with him. I don't know. Maybe they didn't. But I love the picture in my mind of him walking back into his house with this huge bag over his shoulder full of bread and fish. And his mom's like, hey, wh what you got there? Well, this is the leftovers of my lunch. And she's like, no, it isn't. No, no, it's, no it's not. I know what I sent with you with, and it was this much. There's no way you have this much. Well, yeah, but mom, there was this guy there. You're never going to believe what happened, but I'm going to tell you anyway. There was this guy and he took my lunch, and now we have this. And she's like, well, let's go find him. That's, that's the guy we want to be around. We need to go find this guy. And he gets to celebrate. He gets to share in this incredible blessing because he was willing to offer his five and two. He made a statement of faith. I believe, even though this doesn't look like much, with Jesus, it can make a difference. This is not just a story about feeding hungry people some bread. In fact, in this same story, if you continue reading in this chapter in John, you find that Jesus crosses the lake in the middle of the night. He just kind of walks across it. <laughs> and the people 
are looking for him the next day, and they figure out he's gone to the other side, so they all have to walk around. And when they finally catch up with him, they're like, hey, Jesus, you remember yesterday when you gave us all that bread and fish? That was awesome. Let's do that again. And here's what Jesus said to them. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This was never just about putting bread in your hungry belly. It was always about showing you that right when you think what you really need in life is more bread, I want you to know that what you really need is more Jesus. So everything that we do, every opportunity we're invited into to meet needs of people, should we feed hungry people? Absolutely. Should we clothe the naked? Should we take care? Should we provide for the oppressed and stand up for them? Absolutely. But it's never just about that. It's always showing people that when you need more safety, when you need more clothes, when you need more shelter, when you need more love, what you really need is more Jesus. And we're invited in to this life-changing opportunity. So what do we do? How, how, how do we contribute? Some of us, if I, if I were to ask you, okay, what's your, what's your five and two? You'd say, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what my five and two is. I, I don't know what I have to offer. I, I don't feel like I have anything to offer. But what if... What if we could have a conversation? What if you and I could just sit down? We could spend a couple hours talking about it. And we could come up with a plan and figure it out. That's exactly what we want to offer you. I want to introduce to you a concept that we're rolling out today called a 5-2 initiative. Watch the staff share this on video. Hi, I'm Amber Hawkins. I'm Andy Gable. Hi, I'm Adam Coulter. Hey, I'm Zach Schuyler. Tip it of the tongue, the teeth of the lips. <laughs> All four of the gospel writers in the New Testament include the story of Jesus feeding 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. It's an amazing story. There were even leftovers. It's a boy whose name is never given. So where did, where did this food come from? Maybe his mom packed his lunch that day. Uh, maybe he was in charge of bringing food to the family that day. We don't know. But when the disciples call out to the crowd, hey, does anybody have any food you can share? He steps forward with his five loaves and two fish. It wasn't much. In fact, he, he probably was assuming, you know, what I have isn't, isn't enough to really help. Look, there are 5,000 people here. All I have is my lunchbox full. And, and he would have been right had Jesus not been there. Had Jesus not been there, his little thing would have not really been enough to make a, a big impact. But he brings what he has, he offers it to Jesus, and then Jesus takes what the boy offers and he multiplies it. We believe everyone has something to offer, time, talent, and treasure. But maybe you feel like what you have to offer isn't enough to make a difference. But in the hands of Jesus, five loaves and two fish can feed 5,000 people. We are excited to announce the launch of the 5-2 initiative. It's designed to help everyone in the Cicero fam learn what it is that they have to offer and how to turn it over to Jesus so he can multiply it. You're going to learn how to use your God-given gifts in ways that have an impact that go far beyond your expectations. We're going to answer this question. What can Jesus do with my five and two? With my five and two. With my five and two. <laughs> Aluminum linoleum. Aluminum linoleum. <laughs> maybe what you, maybe you feel, maybe. God.
this is the idea. We want to offer training to everyone in our church family in five specific categories, uh, five essentials that we believe are part of the life of a follower of Jesus. But it's also the part of the life of anyone. If you want to have a better life, if you want to be better at life, uh, we believe that these five essentials can help you uh, get better at life. Uh, I'll share these with you really quick. The first one is self-leadership. Self-leadership is about learning to act consistently on what I value. That you, we all have values. We all have things that we say are important. And our biggest regrets are usually tied to moments when we acted inconsistently with what we said we value. So we're going to talk about self-leadership. We're going to talk about being spirit-led. That, that we believe that God is actively looking to continue the work of Jesus through his people. And if, and if we would be obedient and submissive to his Holy Spirit, we get to participate in the work of Jesus in the world. So we're going to learn how to do that better. We're going to learn about relational IQ. This is just about seeing myself the way God sees me, seeing other people the way God sees them, and acting and speaking accordingly. We're going to learn about servant leadership, which is the idea of racing to the end of the line, taking the low place, becoming the least. And we're going to learn about courage, seeing where I need to go and taking the steps necessary to get there. That's courage. So those five essentials are going to be the foundation of our training. And we believe that if we all grow in these areas, we grow not just as husbands and mothers and parents and aunts and uncles. We grow not just as workers in our field, not just as neighbors, but we also grow as followers of Jesus and contributors to the kingdom. So we want to help you do that. We believe this is our job, actually. The, our leadership here believes this is our job. It's what Scripture tells us. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes this, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. He, he doesn't say that, that, that the leadership is here to do the work of the ministry. He says we're to, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. We're going to do it together. And so this is our job, is to help you, the saints, Figure out how to bring your five and two and offer it to Jesus in a way that can make a difference. I want to tell you a story about Doug and Tammy White. Many of you know them. We support these missionaries, but they haven't always been missionaries. In fact, uh, missionary wasn't on their radar for a long time. Fifteen years ago, Doug and Tammy just had normal lives and normal jobs. She was an office manager, and he was a, pro uh, a project manager. And then Doug sort of reluctantly went on a missions trip to the Ukraine in 2005. And he came back and his heart was just fired up about missions. And he felt like maybe God wanted him to do something. But when he looked at pastors and evangelists and missionaries, he thought, that's not me. I'm not Bible college trained. I don't have a, I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm not an evangelist. I, I, I don't think I fit in that category, but I think God wants me to do something. So he talked to his wife and she was on board. And so they just said, we'll just take the next step. And the next step led them to Vanuatu for a while. And they were kind of open to the next step, and God led them from there to Papua New Guinea, where they're still not missionaries. They're not evangelists. They're not responsible for teaching people about Jesus. Timmy was the finance manager for the mission, and Doug took care of the property. He was the maintenance guy. But they were just being obedient, and they were content to be obedient. And then God said, hey, how about another step? And Wycliffe Bible Translators called and said, we have an opportunity for you to be a part of Bible translation. And and Doug, I'm telling you, Doug was not the kind of person who ever thought he would be a part of Bible translation. You know, that sounds like a really erudite, you know, educational, intellectual thing. And, but he just said yes. And so he was a part of this program called MAST, where they, they take this software to pastors in other countries, and they teach them how to translate the Bible in their own languages through this software. 
And Doug is now the director of a program called Global Oral Translation with Wycliffe Bible Translators. He's participated in 66 translation projects in 28 different countries with hundreds of pastors who represent people who do not have the Bible in their own language. And so I asked Doug, I said, how many people do you think now have the Bible in their own language because of the work of, uh, that you're doing with the Mass program? And he said, well, I don't know. I've never thought about it before. Let me, let me do some checking. So he ran the numbers on the populations of the villages and the language groups that he's worked with. And he was shocked when the number came back. Because he never in a million years thought God would use him in this way. He was content to be a property manager in Papua New Guinea for a mission. He said that according to his best guess, there are a hundred million people who now have the Bible in their own language who never had it before he started his work. A hundred million people. Can you wrap your mind around that? This, this guy is just a normal guy. He's a project manager. And 15 years later, he's taken the Bible all over the world. And a hundred million people have access to the gospel who never had it in their own language before. That, that's a five and two story. That, that's a boy just offering his lunch. I don't know. I don't know if this can make a difference. I don't know what you can do with this. It doesn't seem like much, but you're Jesus. I mean, you're Jesus. Maybe you can take my five and two and do something. And he did. A hundred million people. I want you to have a story like that. I, I believe that this boy, I, we don't know anything about him. I believe that he grew up telling this story to his friends, to his family, his neighbors. I think everybody he ran into, he said, hey, have I told you about the day that me and Jesus fed thousands of people with my lunch? Have I ever told you that story? I think he put himself right in the middle of it. And he told it over and over again until people were sick of hearing about it. They're like, hey, have I told you the story? Yes, we've heard the story. You and Jesus, we know. I think he told it over and over again. Because he got to be a part of something unbelievable. He got to be a part of a miracle where 5,000 people got fed from five loaves of bread and two fish. And it changed his life. I believe that. And I believe it can change yours. And I believe when God gets into your life and he opens you up to offering your five and two, you're going to be a part of other people's lives being changed. I want you to have a story like that. I believe that there are people around you who have a need that you can meet. And maybe you don't know what that is. And maybe you don't know how you can meet it. That's, that's what our training is, is here to offer. So I want to invite you to take a step of faith this morning. If you are willing to go through the training that we have to offer for how to take your five and two and turn it over to Jesus and let him work through you, I would like for you to sign up right now. You can text uh, to the number that you see on the screen, 317-401-5030. You can do it right now. Grab your phone. It's okay to use your phone in church. There's no Bible law against it. And text the words 5-2 to that number. And it's just going to ask you what your name is and if you would prefer a Saturday morning or a Sunday afternoon training. Now, we don't have dates for this yet, so this is kind of a step of faith, right? We're, we don't, we're not exactly sure when it's going to happen. We're developing the content still. So would you take a step of faith? Are you willing to offer? It's two and a half hours. For some of you, that sounds like a lot of time. That's a big chunk out of my calendar. You know, Adam, you don't understand how busy I am. If you were to look at my calendar, if you can find two and a half hours, good luck. I'll give it to you. Hey, I'm just asking you are, you, are you willing to offer what you have? Two and a half hours, we're going to go through those five essentials, and we're going to set you up with some habits that will help you get better 
to, to consistently grow long-term in those five areas. And, and it's designed to help you figure out how you can offer your five and two. So would you sign up today? Would, would you take that little step of faith and see what God can do with your five and two? Because I want you to have a story where you're able to say, I, I never thought, I never thought I would see that person come to Jesus. But somehow God, he set this conversation up and he worked through me and we, and the next thing I know, they're getting baptized and now they're following Jesus. I never thought it could happen. But, but me and Jesus, we, we did something together. I, I never thought, I never thought that that, that that need would be conquered in our area. That, that we would be able to look out in our community and see nothing but thriving marriages. But, but God, God invited me into this marriage mentor training and I said yes and even though I don't think I'm great at marriage and I was able to talk to some people and we made some progress and then they talked to some other people and now we've got, we've got marriages just blooming all over our community and I can't believe me and Jesus did that. I want you to have a story. I want you to have a story like that. Because I believe that when we offer our five and two, we get to be a part of what God was, has been planning to do in our lives for a long time. And we're not going to miss it. And we get to tell the story of the time that, that me and Jesus did something amazing together. Will we pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for this challenging and inspirational message, God. This boy, I just, I just want to have the kind of faith that he has. And I want to have the kind of story that he has. So my prayer uh, today, Father, for our church family is that uh, we, would, we would just take a step of faith to offer what we have, to receive some training and, and be ready to, to find a way to contribute, a way to minister, a way to serve. God, we pray that you would use us to change hearts and lives all over our community and that there's a day coming in our future when we get to celebrate something amazing that happened that we did together because we took our little bit and you added your power and worked a miracle. We look forward to that day, God. I pray that you would do that through us and in us. In Christ's name, amen.